The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Well, I'm delighted we have Jennifer O'Leary with us to talk about her new book, The Padre, her account of the life of Father Patrick Ryan, who was once one of the most wanted men in Europe and who armed the IRA with money from Libya. Particularly delighted to have Jennifer, who's a BBC Northern Ireland journalist, with us because she once worked with us here on The Last Word many <laughs> years ago. Jennifer, great to see you back. Thank you for being with us. No, it's great to be here, Matt, and thanks for having me on. I'm delighted. This is an absolutely fascinating story about a man, a priest of the Catholic Church, who became one of the most controversial figures of the late 1980s. And he's still alive, isn't he? At a very advanced age. Yeah, he's 93 years of age. Patrick Ryan is his name. It's one of those stories, you'd almost think it was fiction, were it not for the fact that a British Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, in 1988 and 1989 was absolutely incensed uh, by by his actions. In short, born in a County Tipperary parish in 1930, think of this, he joins a junior seminary before the, uh, the end of, se- of the Second World War, goes off to become a missionary priest in East Africa, spends over a decade there doing... Good. I mean, he learns to fly a plane between different clinics. He's he's building, he's drilling for water. And then the course of his life changes in 1969 and the course of many other people's lives changes by dint of his actions and what he went on to do uh, for the IRA. Why did he do it? What was his motivation, given that an awful lot of people in the Republic turned their eyes away from what was happening in the North in 1969. Why did he decide to get involved? Well, he grew up in a house where his mother, Mary Ann Carl, was her name before she married. She was a an absolute Irish patriot, uh, strong belief in Irish nationalism, uh, forged it during her teenage years when she used to stand guard outside her family home to to keep an ear out for the boots of the black and tan. So, you know, she told those stories to her six six children and her second eldest son, Patrick, in particular, was absolutely enthralled by by his mother and by what she had done. And he is is an intriguing character and he's one of those people, whatever he turns his attention to, he carries it out with absolute ruthlessness and clarity of vision. So, you know, when he was a priest, he was assigned, you know, he was working for the Catholic Church. He believed in their ideology. When he turned away from the church and began to work for the IRA, he absolutely believed equally in militant Irish nationalism. But was there an overlap? Was he continuing as a practicing priest at the same time as being involved as a murderer in the IRA, which was what he was? Well, before he before he took off to to Libya and to Europe in the early nineteen seventies for the IRA, in the nineteen in the late nineteen sixties, he had returned at that time from East Africa, and I'm not actually making this up. He was driving around the country, collecting the the coins that had been tossed into missionary boxes, and he was supposed to be bringing those that money back to his superiors. And in 1969, as what became known as the Troubles began to flare, he began redirecting that money to Republicans uh, across the border. Now, Matt, here's the thing. I mean, that money was relatively pittance. 
in comparison to the funds he later uh, funneled uh, from the Gaddafi, from Gaddafi's regime in Libya back to back to the IRA. So there was that overlap there. But once he decided to work full time for the IRA, he was largely living out of Ireland. He based himself in in on, in Europe and was to and fro from to Tripoli and and other places. But did he ever formally give up his position as a priest of the Catholic Church? Because he was known as the book calls it the Padre. He was known as Father Patrick Ryan. Yes, he he used he borrowed the costume, if you like, of being a priest when he returned to Ireland in the 70s and the 80s because, you know, in those days, you know, being a priest, it gave you a status within society. It literally opened doors and he and he was happy to to wear the priestly garb when it suited him. Uh, but he and he never officially left the Catholic Church. He just walked away and told his superiors, you know, I, I am doing this. And as one of those people described it to me, he literally went to ground and it wasn't until 1990 before his order, the Palatines, officially, formally dismissed him from the order. Some people might cavil at my description of his responsibility for murder, but he was responsible, wasn't he, in a significant way for some of the most terrible bombings of the IRA campaign, often no warning bombings which killed many people and he was central to it. The story of Patrick Ryan, you know, is so shocking for so many people, not least because he transformed the IRA's capacity to plant bombs and to train bombers because of of a, of a tiny little timer that he spotted in Geneva where he had opened Swiss bank accounts. So he spots this little timer, he re-engineers it and sends... Uh, this template back to Ireland. He buys the timers in bulk and he continues to do so for the IRA. Now, the genius and equally the horror of that re-engineering of the timer meant that it was now easier to plant IRA bombs. There, There were less of what they would have described as own goals where bombs would have detonated before the bombers made their getaway. Now, Memo Park timers is, are what he uh, re-engineered and they became a hallmark of IRA bombs. They were used in scores of bombings from the 1970s onwards and that re-engineering of that timer is down to, to Patrick Ryan, Father Patrick Ryan. And many people died because of that. Many people died and, you know, they were used in some of the most high-profile IRA bombings, including the Brighton bomb in 1984, which almost assassinated the British Prime Minister and her cabinet, did kill five people. Um, and he, there, the detail of, of that is, is in the book, The Padre. And also his, his lack of, I suppose what many people find very shocking as well, his, his complete lack of remorse. And I'll get to that in a moment, and I am fascinated by your interactions with him in recent years. But tell me about his connection to Gaddafi and Libya. What was it? So, in short, in 1972, uh, you know, the, the Gaddafi saw the IRA very much as comrades in arms fighting British imperialism. He has so much money from the oil in his country and he begins to sponsor terrorist organisations all around the world. He's not behind the door in, in making it 
uh, making it known that he is supporting the IRA. He has promised them, you know, millions of in in cash, uh, hundred million, t- you know, tons of of, of weapons. He um, it, so in 1972, the IRA began to hatch a plan to get the weapons back to Ireland. The detail of the debacle that was the Claudia arms operation is detailed in the book, including, you know, the, the spy at the heart of it, the, you know, the intrigue of what happened and, and why it failed. But in 1972, Patrick Ryan was tasked by Joe Cahill, then a senior IRA commander, to return to Libya and become the link man, if you like, between the IRA and Libya. And it was a pretty canny decision because in Patrick Ryan, they had somebody who spoke five languages, highly educated, very used to sussing people out. He was charismatic, but he was also cunning enough to to know how to blend into the background and ultimately crafty enough to know how to how to make contacts and how to find them to, to to work for you to for your advantage tell us about the time you spent with him in recent years as you were researching this book yeah you know i uh, i suppose i should say this you know the detail in the book and the you know is all based on conversations with patrick ryan and you know, it's not like I, you know, I hit a tuning fork on a table and he began to sang like a canary. He is an extremely uh, careful, measured person, outwardly gentle, you know, very mannerly. Uh, is 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 frailer in 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 older age. You know, every time every time I would have seen him, but the absolute uh, steeliness is never too far from you know from his from his expressions. You mentioned the word remorse earlier and he doesn't seem to have any, does he? His only regret, he says, is that he wasn't more effective, that the bombs that he had a hand in uh, didn't kill more. And that is a shocking statement for many and especially for those who lost loved ones uh, as a result of the IRA's campaign of violence you know that's what he believes, and I was speaking to him. You know, um, after the the manuscript for the book uh, went to print, and I, I was trying to explain to him, Patrick. You know, a lot of people will find it really difficult to understand how you don't even have a flash of remorse, especially given the fact that you know one time you were ordained to, you know, a, a, as a Catholic priest, and I, I'll never forget it because he kind of stood up in the chair, you know, or straightened himself in the chair, I should say. He looked me directly in the eye and he started to talk about the British and British colonialism and, and their history. And he said to me, Jennifer, where is their remorse? It's a fantastic story and it's brilliantly told in the Padre Jennifer O'Leary, thank you so much for being with us here on The Last Word in Today FM. We'll be back with the 6 to 6 after this. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.